It's Fab here, founder and head teacher at Old Marketing School and your marketing BFF. And today I want to invite you to the place where marketing rebels go to master the craft. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about our marketing rebels, self-paced course library and student community. Imagine this, the ultimate library of courses, tactics and templates for marketers looking to use their superpowers for good. So if you are ready to access our short courses, a supportive community of marketing rebels, your personal cheerleading squad, then you gotta go and check our library out. Yes, think about us as your marketing BFFs sharing incredible weekly tactics tools, resources, and even prompts and trends to make sure that you always have fresh content coming out. Plus, we also have marketing sprints, hot seats, and office hours to support you as well in the journey. If it sounds like a good party, I guess it is. So all you have to do is make sure that you join us and you can do it in just two clicks. You just go to School dot click slash library i repeat am school dot click slash library to find out more about how to join us right now i will be waiting for you on the inside now on with today's episode welcome to alt marketing school we are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers just like yourself We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly, empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello team, I am beyond excited today to bring you a very special episode of Alt Marketing School. This week, I am chatting with the colossus that is Mark Schaefer. And I could not be more excited to talk about momentum, change, purpose within marketing. So yeah, we're talking about big topics today. I hope you're ready. I am so excited to be talking to Mark about his latest book, Cumulative Advantage, but so much more is gonna be actually in the mix. Why? Because we really want to think about how we can make a difference in marketing. And this is really the reason why you listen to the podcast. This is the reason why I created Alt Marketing School. So if you don't know, Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized author, a speaker, a podcaster, and a business consultant who blogs at Grow, one of the top five marketing blogs in the world. He also teaches graduate marketing classes at Rogers University and has written eight best-selling books. So stick around to really understand how you can create the best, most purposeful strategy for yourself. I was humbled to be able to talk to him. It is amazing. It was so much fun and so inspiring. And I really, really hope you're going to love this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Without further ado, may today's class begin. back welcome back guys to alt marketing school hello mark how are you doing today i am great it's a beautiful spring day here in america where i live in tennessee 
Awesome. It's not it's not currently snowing. I know that in some parts it got really freezing, really, really quickly. Really got slammed, but we're but we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel here. Literally, the sun is shining in a beautiful way here today. <laughs> That's very, very good. I'm so excited to have you here. And just to talk about everything marketing, and I know that we're aligned in the vision that how we can change the conversation around marketing and business. And I actually wanted to start with uh, with your book. And now I'm, a, I'm an author myself and I have a pet peeve. I love to read the first sentences of a book because <laughs> they always make me smile. It's like, oh, and you know what I'm going to say? Because I'm talking about your latest book, Connected Advantage. And I love the first couple of sentences because it starts with Tim Ferriss knows Oprah. I do not. And I'm like, yes, yes to this. So can you give us some context before we jump into the topics of the book and everything else? I just love this. Tim Ferriss knows Oprah. I don't know. I think it was brilliant. Yeah, it was a, it was a big risk, really. I mean, it was a very different way to start a book. And the reason I did this, as you know, is the book is about momentum. And so I was trying to find somebody that really kind of started from nothing and became a superstar. And so I was curious about Tim Ferriss and how did he get started? And I'm not saying Tim Ferriss is nothing. He's a brilliant man. He's a hardworking man. Uh, he has a lot going for him. And I'm not saying anything that Tim hasn't said himself. He's been very transparent about. He was a sickly child. He was bullied. He grew up in a modest family. You know, he got his education in like Japanese studies or something. His first, you know, he, he was burned out on his business. He had psychological business of problems. He had physical problems. He had a mental breakdown. And then he lost his girlfriend. And he sort of gave up on everything and just started traveling around Europe. And while he was in Europe, he had an idea for a book. Pitched this book. It was rejected 26 times. Now, if you were placing a bet on him at the age of 29 that 10 years later, he would be hanging out with Hugh Jackman and Oprah. Who would place that bet? Clearly, something amazing happened in those 10 years. How did he create this momentum from essentially nothing? And what I found out, Fab, that was so uh, amazing is that it paralleled my research and the research available on momentum exactly. He did exactly these five things that anybody can do. So I think this is a book of hope. This book I wrote, Cumulative Advantage, it's a book of hope. There's, there's nothing in this book that isn't accessible, that isn't doable by anyone. You don't need to have a million dollars. You don't need to have a, a, an Oxford education. You can see how other people, and it's based, it's not just my ideas, it's based on research. What does the research show? How does momentum begin and how is it sustained? And I think that's why people are really loving this book. There's just a lot of energy around this book. And actually, I wanted to ask you about that because I love my research as well. And I love to delve into the psychology or sociology. And I know that actually cumulative advantage is, is a reach that can, comes from quite a few years ago, but it was obviously applied to, correct me if I'm wrong, sociology, am I getting it wrong? <laughs> I don't Pardon remember. Me? 
was it sociology? That's yeah, sociology. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I was really interested in that and like how actually, you know, that principle and then it was so easy to kind of see how it was mimicked also in other yeah. fields. And right. I think that's something that I would love you maybe to give us a bit more insights on because people might think, oh, this is new, but it's really not. Well, it's not what it's new to most people because the, the principles are actually very famous in the world of sociology, but let's be, let's be honest, how many became anything that's famous in sociology? So this is new. So I went down this rabbit hole and, and Fab, as I, as I look at sort of the trajectory of my career and what I've been writing about, it's how do we stand out in this noisy world? And the fact of the matter is today that even if you're great, you can be buried. Even if you're do, following all the rules, social media and content and SEO, and you're working so hard, you can still be buried. And I just am not satisfied with that. We need to find a way through that. And I think part of the answer is this idea of momentum. So I went down the rabbit hole and I found that the, the research on this really started in 1968. And there's a lot of really, I think, fun and, and fascinating stories in, in the book about this, the actual researcher, how he grew up so poor and he'd walk to the library every day when he was a little boy because sometimes he couldn't go to school. His family was so poor. He had to work to try to make ends meet and he'd walk by these big mansions. It's like, how do these people get there? It just seems like the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer. And against all odds, he got a scholarship to a university. Against all odds, he got a PhD from Harvard and became a professor at Columbia. And he saw the same thing happened. The most famous professors just kept getting more resources and bigger offices and more fame. And all the people actually doing the work were stuck. And so it led him to this research on Nobel Prize winners. And, and to show that the, the idea of cumulative advantage means if you have some small advantage over your peers, if you play your cards right, you can create unstoppable momentum and create this, uh, this, this gap that will widen between you and your peers really forever. And he said, unless there are countervailing processes. So that was my quest. What are these countervailing processes? I even ended up interviewing his, his wife, <laughs> who is still alive, who was his researcher on this Nobel Prize project. I said, what are the countervailing processes? He never told us. And I need to know because I'm writing a book about this man. And so I just went down this deep, deep rabbit hole and figured it out. And, I, you know, and I think this, this is it. I mean, this is really how momentum is created in the world. And it's, a, it's something that anyone can do. Can I ask you, obviously, I'm sure that in the book, we cover all the reasons why some people might be stopped along the lines. I know there's five factors. It's almost like yeah. five different steps and kind of yes. the journey. But right. if you were thinking about one, maybe that is quite one reason, one factor that you think would stop people along the way that a lot of people might resonate with, even yeah. like a simple one, what would that be? Well, I think they're, they're, they're probably two common ones. Number one is that having an idea isn't good enough. You need to follow your curiosity. And in the book, it, it talks about, it's a quest. It's the pursuit of the idea. There are millions and millions of good ideas. You are being bombarded with good ideas every day. But 
but you need to be aware of these random things that are happening in your life that could create something new, but then you need to pursue it. If you don't pursue it, nothing happens. The second thing is that I think people tend to quit too soon. They get distracted. If they get pushed down, they don't get back up again. And it's hard to create something new. And you need to have the the last step in the book is this idea of constancy of purpose, where you need consistency, you need grit, you need resilience, you need, you, you can't be thrown off track when something goes wrong and something always goes wrong. And you need to remember what brought you here and what is your value and, and why do people love you? You can't lose sight of that even when things go wrong. So those are the two things that generally stop momentum, I think. And I love that. And I love that you mentioned grit because it's a, it's a word that for some reason, like I think it was trying to tell me something. It kind of appeared in my face about five times in the space of a week. And I was like, I got it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I need to ask myself the question. And yeah. I love that you mentioned it because um, I love, obviously that your purpose is what I'm building a marketing school on. It's that purpose, that value that is true and is authentic. If authentic is a word that we all love. And so I kind of wanted to ask you if you know what I mean. And I know because I've read some of your blog posts, I know that it's some of those elements. And I was wondering about that purpose element, bringing it back to the marketing side of things, as well as business as ideas, but especially with marketing. How do you think a book like this and obviously the ideal cumulative advantage can help us change, shake up, refresh, and really, I don't know, give marketing a good facelift for good almost? Well, well, you and I are definitely of the same mind of this. <laughs> and I had the pleasure, you and I had a, had a bit of an extended conversation before we started talking here on your show. But, you know, marketing, I think it's, it's sick. It really is. Marketing is in this trough. And every year we try to do a little bit better. We iterate and we want to make our headlines a little better. And we want to make our Facebook ads a little better. And we want to make our SEO a little bit better. Meanwhile, our customers have taken a quantum leap away from us. They don't like marketing. They don't trust marketing. They do not want to be manipulated. They don't want to be interrupted, intercepted. They don't want us to take their email addresses and then abuse them through something we call lead nurturing, which really means we're gonna keep spamming you until you block us. That is like marketing best practices today, right? Wrong. We have to stop, we have to have the discipline and the wisdom and the compassion to stop doing what people hate. And we know what people hate because we're consumers too. It's just common sense. And we need to double down on what people love. Let me give you a quick example. In the news in the last few days, it, it's, it's been well known that we've had record terrible storms here in America, especially in the state of Texas, which usually has a very mild climate. It had ice storms, snowstorms, and temperatures that were below freezing. People lost power, they lost heat, they lost water. There was a big furniture store in one of the major cities, Houston, and they said, we have heat, we have power, if you're cold, come to our store. They opened up their store. Thousands of people came just to get warm. They brought in food. They created a play area for children. 500 people a night slept there overnight on the mattresses. Now, how did I hear about this story? 
it was on the front page of the New York Times. What does marketing mean? Marketing means not just being in a community. It means being of a community. What would a friend do? If my friends are freezing, I'm going to say, come stay with us. Now, I would guess that nobody in the city of Houston will ever buy furniture from anyone again other than this man. Here we see this opportunity, this fracture in the status quo. And he said, I need to be a friend. And he, this isn't just marketing. This is becoming legendary simply because he didn't just say, we're with you in these challenging times. He rolled up his sleeve and he did something. And that's an important lesson about what marketing is about today, coming alongside people at their point of need. And I love that yours. I know it sounds really weird, but I love that you mentioned like we are here with you at these challenging times because it feels that the email that you received from everyone in the past 12 months, they're like, okay, I get it. You're here with me. Like, you yeah. know, and it's kind of like almost, yeah, it's good that you're telling me that, but what are you going to do about it? Or why do you yeah. need to tell me? Why can you just yeah. do what, what it's you can do joke. when the time is right? Yeah. When the pandemic hit and look, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional speaker without an audience. I'm a consultant without, without customers. I'm a college educator without students, right? Everything got canceled. And so I get this email from BMW and they said, we are here with you. We are going to support you. And so like I click link, 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 link after. So what are they actually going to do? What are they, what, it was nothing. It's just words. And that's not human. That's not authentic. That's just an advertising agency saying words that everybody thinks that you want to hear. And it became a joke because every big company wedded to these advertising contracts just said the same thing. There was even a video on YouTube called All Pandemic Advertising is the Same. And it showed cut after cut after cut. They use the same music. They use the same words. You know, they've, they're so bad, they've become a meme. So, I, I mean, this that. is... Yeah, I think my marketing rebellion book is coming true before our eyes, because if you can't be the most human company and really act like a human company, then, you know, you're going to become irrelevant. Can I ask you actually on that note, just very briefly on that topic within marketing rebellion, because I think some people might be hearing this and it might be as a marketer or as a brand. Hmm, okay, how can I, you know, how can I be more human or how can I do this without AdWords, virtual signaling, or like just just making it as a tokenism. Would it be something, maybe like something, a, a question or, or some reflection that people can make to almost, I think sometimes unlearn things that we think we're supposed to do because we don't know any better. Because I think yeah. more hu marketing to humans and talking to humans is so important and some of us, I think, starting to unlearn. Right. Well, I think that's a very keen point and a very important question that one of the problems with marketing is that we tend to flock to whatever's popular until we ruin it. And one of that, I think the, the latest thing that's being ruined is this whole idea of purpose and, and meaning and values-driven marketing. And I, in the Marketing Rebellion book uh, that I wrote, I have a whole chapter about this and, and first established that this idea of shared value and shared meaning is really important. It's one of the few ways left that we have to really establish connection that leads to loyalty. So it's something we need to think about, but we can't just join the latest buzzword. 
and, and in the book, I go step by step by step what needs to happen. This has to be truly part of the DNA of your company, all the way to why you were founded. What do you do what you do? Why do you do it? What, what, what do you really believe in? It's not just a marketing phrase. It has to be something that pervades the entire company. And you, and you really have to. And, and the other thing that I want to mention is that I, I do this little thought exercise in, in my classes and workshops. And I say, think of everything that you bought in the last two weeks. It could be a piece of clothing. Maybe it's an insurance policy. Maybe you got your car washed. Maybe you bought a sandwich at the local store. Now, how many of those things that you bought, how many of them do you know where they stand on some social issue? How many of those did you buy that because you, you read a piece of branded content? And usually the answer is zero. So we have to be careful here as marketers not to be just intoxicated with our own self-importance that 99.9% .9 of the time people buy a sandwich because they're hungry or they get a car wash because their car is dirty and they don't really care what you stand for. It's just, they want it right now. So marketing is a lot more, it's a lot bigger than meaning and values and purpose. And you know, let's not get into this navel gazing in marketing where we're, we think we're so self-important that you know, let's just really serve our customers at their point of need. Sometimes it means connecting to them on, on meaning, but usually not. And I love that you mentioned that because I, I think that's a big reality check, as you said, of like, how, how are you leading with that message? And I'm going to say the word relevant because it's probably the first word that I can think of, but just making sure that that message, whether it's about purpose or value, is relevant. And I think that's very interestingly, uh, I was reading the Oot Suite 2021 report for social media, and it did talk about that kind of social listening and the importance of that as well. And when it comes to social listening, which is like that one of the interesting things, and I was hearing about one of the biggest lessons the marketing uh, marketers can learn in 2020 and 2021 is to talk when they have something to say. And it really like, stood for me. It's like, oh, yeah, it's true. Don't talk because you feel like you have to talk because you have to fit into a conversation. But by learning how to listen, then you can talk when you have something to really say. And I don't know, that really stood up for me in that, in that report. And I thought, hmm, that really reminds us of something. I think is we're so prompted to do that all the time. Yeah, and at the same time, there's also a big missed opportunity there because when we do social listening, we just want to get rid of people. If, if someone is angry about something, we just want to get it off of Twitter or whatever. Now, if you look at the, at the mega trend of marketing, the opportunity to learn about our customers is deteriorating. We can, you know, there, there are a lot of new changes happening that are going to protect people's privacy because that's what they want. And we need to get ahead of that as marketers. And one of the ways to do that is to double down on customer care and really have conversations where you can collect information that can inform your marketing strategy. This is a gold mine. This is an opportunity that's overlooked by most companies, literally most companies. 
They look at customer care as a cost to be managed. That's how we looked at IT in the 90s. You know, what's why do we need all these computers? Let's just keep the cost down of this thing. They didn't look at it strategically. And customer care today, it's not a cost to be managed. It is going to be the most important interface we have with our customers, the most important way we can collect data going forward. So, and it's a huge opportunity. And I would encourage everyone listening to this to, to really think about how you're showing up online. Preach. That's kind of, that's my meaningful contribution is preach because I am a big believer in like any type of customer care, asking questions. I think if you ask people questions, you will also be surprised they answer. But so many brands, even when I work with clients, I just ask, have you asked what people want? And it's like, oh no. Because I, yeah. I assume they're not going to answer. And I'm like, you shouldn't give your customers more credit because right. they will if you ask them the right that's, way. But also that's, that's where the truth comes from. It's not about people sitting around a table brainstorming. You got if you if you ask the customers, that's where you'll get the truth and the wisdom. I love that. Now I want to just round up by asking you potentially a slightly harder question and just going back to cumulative advantage. I wanted to ask you, obviously, it's a book about purpose and hope as well as the steps. And I'm kind of wondering if there's any lesson that you learned by writing this book. Is this book taught you something as well, as well as the research, I guess. But is there one lesson that you can think of yeah. from the book? No, I'm going to tell everyone listening a little secret. The reason that Fab is asking me this question is because she hasn't finished my book. And if you get to chapter 10, you'll know the answer to that question. And the answer to that question is that researching this book had a profound impact on me. And here's something I will guarantee that anyone who reads this book will never see the world again. They'll never see the world the same way again. You'll see the world again. Believe me, you'll wake up and the sun will come up but you'll never see the world the same way again. You'll begin to see the world in these patterns and you apply it to the people that you meet, the opportunities that you have, and also things that are happening in the news. Because this idea of creating momentum or not creating momentum is at the source of a lot of the social justice issues going on in the world today. What we learn is that Everyone is surfing the crest of a wave that started a long time ago. If you were born into, uh, a, uh, here, here's a little statistic that is just mind blowing. It shows this idea of initial advantage. So when children are in a impoverished situation where they're not nurtured, they don't have enough food, they live in fear, they don't get enough sleep and rest. Their average IQ is, is 77. When they get adopted and moved into a healthy situation, just, just living in a healthy situation with food and shelter and without fear, their average IQ goes from 77 to 92. The initial advantage is just being safe. Now, you start thinking, and, and that can lead, that's the start of momentum, is just having that one little advantage. The, the beginning of advantage is sparks. 
sparks of opportunity. And now you start seeing the, this world where, look, how can I, as a person, solve world hunger, solve economic disparity, solve racial injustice? What can I do? It's daunting. It's impossible. It's cosmically complex. And this, you know, in America, we've had these protests. The streets have been burning when I was a little boy. The streets are burning today. But we know that the beginning of momentum is this spark of opportunity. That's something I can do. I can create a spark of opportunity for another person. I can help them with their idea. I can encourage them. I can open a door for them. I can introduce them to somebody who can help them. And let me tell you something, Fab. I am such in, in such an amazing position where I have the opportunity to just create these sparks for people all the time. Someone almost every week sends me a message that says, Mark, you changed my life. Maybe you don't even remember this, but you took the time to help me. You took the time to answer this question. And it led me down this whole, this path. This happened last week. I was on a clubhouse thing and this guy raised his hand. He said, the only reason I'm here is I just wanted to tell you when I was a student, I was lost. I didn't have self-confidence. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and you came in and did a guest lecture and I, you stayed afterwards and I asked you a lot of questions. And at the end of all these questions, you told me, you are going someplace. You get it. These are amazing questions. I can tell you're going to succeed. He said, that changed my life. Just having somebody believe in me. And now I have a successful career. I'm feeding my family. I could have never predicted that would have happened, but you create these sparks and you send ripples through history. And everybody can do this. Every person can do this. That's what we can do. The people need to do the work, not governments, not companies. The people can change lives just by leading with love. Take one step, one kindness, one word of encouragement can send a ripple through history. And thank you so much for mentioning that because I think it's something that especially I think last year, like 2020 for context, a lot of people felt like, what can I do? And it's like when the grand scheme of things and I think it's a great reminder. And I think I even mentioned it to you when, when you approached me and said, well, that, that's, that's surprising and very, very good because actually I love your work and you're one of the few people that really got me into marketing in the first place because I don't even remember how long I've been reading your stuff and yeah. obviously listening also to the podcast. So in a way, you know, it's really funny how these, these things will work through and then serendipitously you will bring back that spark. So um, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing it. And thank you so much for all the work you do. Uh, again, kudos where kudos are due, like your work and, and your words and your inspiration, the podcast, which is also hilarious. Um, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> yes, um, it all helps. People say don't meet your heroes. I'm really happy that I did because uh, you're a great person. So I just wanted to say that. Aww, close off. Enough with, it, enough with the fangirling. Can you please tell us more about where people can find out more about you as well? Well, thank you. You've really made my day. You've moved me today. So no one can remember how to spell Schaefer. So I didn't call my website Schaefer. It's businesses grow because that's pretty easy to remember. And if you can find businesses grow, you can find my blog, which I give my 
best free ideas every week. You can find my podcast and uh, you can find my books and all my social media connections. And I'd love to hear from all your fans, Fab. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. Thank you. And thanks for your great questions today and being so prepared. It's been just a delight being with you today. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.